Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. We do not like to look at the cross because the cross reminds us of who we really are. We like to think we're good people. We're not good people. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitfully, notice, deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? We also want to think I can do good enough to be right with God. I don't want to believe somebody had to die for me. See, religion says you can be good enough. The cross says not on your best day would you ever be good enough. Nearly all of us at some point in our lives have owed a debt, a car payment, a school loan, a mortgage. Every month we would diligently send our money to pay down the loan. Before Jesus gave himself on the cross, people would offer a sacrifice to cover their sin, paying down the debt of living in their flesh. But when Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice, our debt was paid in full. You know the feeling of paying off a loan, no longer tied to the burden of owing something? That's what God wants for us. When we release our hold on our flesh, relinquishing all our sins for Him to wash away, we're no longer responsible to pay for them. The debt is erased. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, verse 32, with our continuing study entitled, Open Access. Come on in. You know, we have people come and they'll say after coming a few weeks, I can't believe it. I, I like going to church. What do you mean you can't believe it? Well, why? Because we've been used to what? Religion. And there's no life in religion. So when Jesus came, he healed people, he saved people, he restored families, people were raised from the dead. I mean, all kinds of things happened. And religion versus a relationship with God, man, does it show big time. And these guys were concerned. So they said, if we kill them, it'll end it all. Uh, They didn't have a clue, did they? Now, let me talk about religion. Much of our world this morning is still filled with religion. Good people going to good churches, but in the church, they don't even hear the gospel message. They don't even believe in the Bible. They're doing lots of good things, but they don't know Jesus Christ. And religion is always dead-ended. Paul said it a long time ago in 1 Corinthians. He said it something like this. If Jesus isn't raised from the dead, if that isn't true, here's what he says. What are you doing sitting here? Go home, get a latte, sit down, read the newspaper, have a ball. Kids, what the heck are you doing in church? You're wasting your time. That's what Paul said. If Christ isn't risen from the dead, we have no hope. This is a total waste. This is a game. This is a farce. What in the heck are we doing here? So let's stop and think about it. These are pastors who on Sunday and Sunday and Sunday are teaching. I don't know what they're teaching. But if they're not teaching the Word of God, then it's all dead-ended. And what happens if you're in this church, I'm one of those that doesn't teach that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. What are you learning? What are you learning that's going to change your life? What are you teaching your children that's going to change their life? Nothing. Now, here's the problem. 
Many of those people that are out here, and they're sitting here just like you and I, they're sitting right here in these seats, they're hearing this, and this is the pastor. So they're what? Believing what? The pastor. Because they don't bring their Bible. Many of you went to church all your life and you never bring your Bible. Well, what in the world are you studying? Well, we have a hymn book. Well, big deal. We don't have hymn books here. So you got to bring your Bible. What are we supposed to be studying? If you don't study the Bible, what are you going to study? You're going to study this, religion. And religion is always dead-ended. Now you go, wow, big deal. What's happening here? Here's what's happening. Those people are deceived. And they live next door to you. And they work with you. And they're in your school, in your classrooms. And they're going to church. Many of them are good people. They're wonderful neighbors. They probably are better than you are as a neighbor. Shame on us. They give money. They tithe. They have a nice church building. They have church bazaars. They come. They worship. They do all these things. But they're lost without God. Should we care? Well, we voice it nice here. But how many of us will care enough to be here and to pray? For our loss. Well, I don't have any on my street. Right. <laughs> you, you see, with the answer that I just got from you. Oh, sure, Pastor Mark. I mean, that's the answer you want, isn't it? I care. You see, if you care, but you don't pray, listen. Religion. Useless. Why should we ever say to people, you got to be here for prayer? That's foolish in a church. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. Because your mouth doesn't match our heart. If I care, I'm praying. I'm concerned. I have some energy in me. I realize that all of those lovely people around me, and some of you here this morning, don't know Jesus Christ. And you're going to see, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you die and are separated from God forever. That's the truth. And nobody wants to say it. That's why we study the cross. Jesus didn't go to the cross for religious people. The religious people there had their own answer. He wanted to show them there was an alternative. And it's him. And it's Jesus Christ. People want to know God. They want to know that there's an answer for their marriage, for their divorce, for their separation, for their drugs, for their high school life, their college life, that there's some answer, there's some sense to life. Where are they going to find it? You're going to find it in Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 33. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. Man, is that a picture of America today? You see, when you see darkness, darkness means sin. When you see light, light means God. So from this time at the sixth hour until the ninth hour, from noon to three, it became dark over the whole land. How did that happen? Well, you say, well, there's an electrical storm, all the lights went out. 2,000 years ago? Well, everybody blew their torch out. <sighs> At 12 noon? No, it was from God. It was supernaturally from God. That's why he picked 12 to 3. During this time, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, by the way, between noon and 3, there are no comments from Jesus. Three hours. Why? Because of this. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? By the way, when you read Psalm 22.1, that's exactly where that comes from. Verbatim. 
written thousands of years before. It's exactly what Jesus said. What is that picture? It pictures this. Sin, the penalty of sin, is death. How did this darkness occur? We don't know. But we do know that the land was full of darkness. Now, what did this picture? This pictured exactly this. Think about it. Here's what it pictures. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You see, during those three hours, here's exactly what happened. Jesus Christ was perfect. He never sinned. But he went as our substitute. And during those three hours, all the sins of the world were placed on Jesus. That's why the darkness. He was being a substitute for you and for me. Now, we don't like to talk about sin. We like lots of words for sin, like mistake, and I goofed, and... But sin is a sin. Well, you remember in the garden, when Adam and Eve were created, they were created sinless, like Jesus was. And God said to them, to prove your love, I'm going to ask you, there's a tree over here, don't, don't touch this tree. You can have all the other trees and all the other fruit, just don't touch that one. I want to prove your love. Adam and Eve rebelled, sinned, touched the tree, went to the tree, ate the fruit. And because of that, Sin is defined two ways. First of all, sin is defined as a trespass, which is what you just saw there. It means they knew they weren't supposed to do it, but they did it anyway. How many have ever sinned, if that's the definition? And the rest of your line. So you've sinned also. You knew to do right, and you didn't what? You just didn't do it. You just absolutely didn't do it. And the other one is missing the mark. I meant to do it, but I blew it. How many have sinned like that? You meant well, but you've blown it. That's right. We've all sinned in both ways. So that was sin. Now, what is the penalty of sin? When Adam and Eve sinned, what was the penalty of sin? Well, God said to them, first of all, you're going to die if you touch the tree and the fruit. In other words, there will be death. Well, what kind of death? When we sin, when, because we're sinners, two th- kinds of death take place in us. Physical and spiritual. The minute Adam and Eve sinned, they experience spiritual death. God said to them, leave the garden. No longer were they in relationship with God. See, sin, remember this, sin always separates you from God. Now, the other thing that you see in this particular thing is, this consequence of sin was not only separation from God, the penalty of sin is death. So the first thing that really comes to our mind is, what do you mean death? Well, you know what death means. Physically, death. Every one of you will die. There's not a person in this room, unless the rapture occurs, will not die physically. Every single person born dies. But why did that happen? Was it God's intention? Never. It's because of sin. Now, the other thing that took place, we know that when Adam sinned, it somehow got into all of our genes. Whether you wear khakis or whatever, it doesn't matter. It got into your genes. Every single person is born with a sin nature. There comes a time when a young child, and we don't know what that age of accountability is, when they finally make a decision, when they know the difference between right and wrong, they must make a choice to serve God or reject God. We don't know when that is. It's different for different children. Up to that point, we believe God's grace covers them. But almost everybody in here this morning, as should be, are adults. 
So that means you've already come to your age of accountability. You're making a choice every day, every time you're in church, you're making a choice, serve God or serve myself. Some of you are making another choice. Stay awake, try to make it through this teaching. You're making a choice. Now, we hate to say we're sinners. We somehow want to blame it on somebody else. We want to go to somebody else and say, well, I'm not a sinner, I'm just, I'm just a good old boy, and I just blow it sometimes. No, you just flat sin. We sin. We're all sinners. The effect of sin is death. Physical and spiritual. Spiritual death is defined as this. Separation from God forever. That's hell. You say, I don't want to hear about hell. You need to hear about hell. That's the outcome. See, there's always consequences to sin. It's not just that you're going to die physically or going to get caught and put in jail or whatever. Because many times we get away with most of our sin. But you will pay because it separates us from God. It's interesting, I was reading about Rembrandt and he made a painting called The Three Crosses. In this painting, it said if you would focus on Jesus, there were some interesting facial expressions on Jesus. Then if you would scan the crowd that was around the crucifixion, you would see those people and what the response was. Some, as we've already read, were happy and joyous and, and jostling with God and with Jesus and others crying and weeping. You see all of those. What was very interesting to me, it says, as you looked at the center and then you looked at the different people around the cross, it says, over here on the side of the painting, hidden almost from your eyes, was another figure almost hidden in the shadows. And it said, the, the art critics say, as you look at this person, it's a representation of Rembrandt himself. He put himself in his own picture because he recognized his sins nailed Jesus to the cross. You see this morning, your sin nailed Jesus to the cross. Think of your sins this week. Your sin. My sin. This is a very difficult teaching for me. Ask my wife to pray for me this morning. Not that she doesn't always. This is tough. We do not like to look at the cross because the cross reminds us of who we really are. We like to think we're good people. We're not good people. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitfully, notice, deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? We also want to think I can do good enough to be right with God. I don't want to believe somebody had to die for me. See, religion says you can be good enough. The cross says not on your best day would you ever be good enough. So Jesus Christ had to come. Our sins nailed him to the cross. Now, there was an intermediate consequence that's pictured by the second word that I have for you this morning called barrier. Sin separates man from a holy God. So sin not only causes death, but it's a barrier. It's a wall between God and man. Every person is born, as I already told you, spiritually dead. If you're here this morning, never accepted Jesus Christ, you're spiritually separated from God. The former relationship with God that was there in the Garden of Eden was destroyed by sin. So on the cross, Jesus was bearing the judgment of God on sin. For the very first time, that's why Jesus yells out, God, why have you forsaken me? It's because sin always separates. God's holiness 
caused him to disassociate himself with sin, which was upon Jesus Christ. That was the agony. Yes, the physical thing was part of it. But the spiritual part was that only that Jesus could do. You and I couldn't have experienced it because we're not perfect to start with. We couldn't have done any good on the cross. Only God, Son, did that. Now, we have another picture, interestingly, of separation. Not only does our sin separate us from God, but there's a wonderful picture of God's holiness and man's sin in the Old Testament. When God dispelled Adam and Eve from the garden, it wasn't long before he called a nation to himself called the nation of Israel. And he instituted later on something called the tabernacle, which later became a temple. And we had two of those. There's going to be a third one we'll study when we go through the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. Now, in this tabernacle or temple was a place that an unholy man and woman could go and offer sacrifices to a holy God. It was a place where you could find forgiveness. And remember this. God had already instituted, even in the garden, when he, when he provided skins for Adam and, Eve, Adam and Eve, the way to get your sin removed was one way, through the shedding of blood. Innocent animals. Their blood was shed. Hebrews tells us, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Now you say, well, why did God make it that way? I have no idea, except basically, life is in the blood. So... Sacrifice was a part of forgiveness. Now, what would happen in this particular tabernacle or temple was basically this. Let me give you a little picture. In the front, we had a courtyard for Gentiles. Gentiles could come in. That's as far as they could go. Then we had the court of the women. Then we'd have different courts back here with the men. Then we had a, we had a curtain. Then we had the, the most holy place. We had the holy place and the most holy place. And you might know the name of most holy place by the holies of holy. Now, in that holies of holies... Behind this curtain, this huge curtain, I'll tell you about it in a moment, the presence of God dwelt. No one could go in. See, it's hard for us because we're here at church and say, what's the big deal? In God's presence, this is different today. In the Old Testament day, no one could approach a holy God. You had sin. Even your sacrifice. All it did in the Old Testament was cover your sin. Kofar. It just covered it. They were looking forward to the day when the perfect sacrifice is coming. We'll talk about that this morning. So there was only one person that could go in and present your sins. Our sins as a group of people to God. Once a year on the Day of Atonement. That was the high priest. And he went in before a holy God, trembling. Because if his sacrifice hadn't been accepted, God would kill him. Because God's holiness cannot look on sin. So this separated the average person, you and I, from ever seeing a holy God. Now this curtain acted as a barrier. Sin separates. If this morning you're not a Christian, your sin has separated you from a holy God. He wants to redeem you, but your sin separates. Now this curtain was 60 feet long, 30 feet wide, had the thickness of a man's hand. In the Old Testament days, we know this, it took 300 priests to move it. Now that's a barrier. That's a barrier. A holy God was unapproachable by man because of man's sins. A holy God was unapproachable by man because of man's sins. Now in verse 35 and 36, we see an interesting, some more mockery. When some of those standing near heard them say this, God, why have you forsaken me? They said, listen, he's calling for Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, and put in a stick and offered to Jesus a drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. You see, in those days, many of the Jewish people had a popular belief, wasn't true, but they had a popular belief that Elijah would come when you were in times of distress. 
and he would actually deliver you from whatever your problem was. So when Jesus said, my God, well, they just laughed. And what they're trying to do is just mock at Jesus some more. They want him to drink this vinegar to last longer so he can be on the cross more and they can make more fun of him. And we come to the third word that we're talking about this morning. It's called payment. Payment. Christ paid for our sins. In verse 37, it says, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Remember we told you the wages of sin is death. And Jesus physically dies. He has the sins of the world placed on him. The penalty of sin is death. Jesus bore the penalty of sin for you and for me. Now John 19.30, you don't have to go there, adds this. In that statement, Jesus says this. As he's saying these last words, he says this. It is finished. Now what does it is finished mean? It means completed. It means end. It means done. Finalized. What was Jesus saying? Here was what he was saying. From the foundation of the world, Jesus had been predicted to come to be the Savior for mankind. So what he says when he dies on the cross, with all of our sins on him during those three hours, placed on him, God's judgment on him, here's what Jesus says. My mission is fulfilled. The payment is made. If you ever made a payment like to your house or to a car, and you go, last payment, I finally made the last payment. This is what Jesus was saying. Man no longer has any responsibility for forgiveness of sins other than one thing, and I'll tell you about at the end. The penalty has been paid. The payment is in full. The last sacrifice. Jesus' death completed redemption for man's sins. Sin's penalty was paid in full. Our sin debt was cleared. Our sins were forgiven. Our bondage was broken. And we were set free from the penalty of sin and its power. I'll repeat that. Our sin's debt was cleared. Our sins were forgiven. Our bondage was broken. And the power of sin has been destroyed. You no longer, that's what Romans 6, 7, and 8 are about. You no longer have to say, I have to give in to this nature in me, this old nature in me. No, you don't. You can say no through the power of God, through those times of temptation. And we approach a verse I love. It represents freedom, which is our fourth word. All can approach a holy God. Let's look at verse 38 together. Then the curtain of the temple was torn in two from bottom to top. What do you think about that? Top to bottom, does it make any difference? Why should it make any difference as long as it's torn? Let's read it again. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Why didn't when Jesus died... Why didn't God get on his cell phone and call the priests that were in the, in the city at, at the temple? And he said, uh, Jesus died now. Get your scissors and start cutting that barrier, man. Just, just cut it right up and remove it because Jesus has eliminated the need for any more sacrifices. As Pastor Mark covered chapter 15 of the Gospel of Mark, he recounted Jesus' death and how sin is the biggest obstacle between us and God. Jesus made it possible for those sins to be forgiven without the sacrifices that had been required before. 
Since Jesus was perfect as we never could be, the barrier between us and God was removed as long as we wanted to be. We were encouraged to rejoice in that intimate access through the Savior. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now, be sure to tune in next time as we will talk about what happens for us since the cross. Even though He has paved a new way for us, we're still stymied by the same obstacles and barriers of sin. We have the opportunity to go directly to God, but as we'll see, we still put people or things between us and Him. He opened the doors for everyone, but it's up to each and every one of us to make that choice. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.